Yo, what's up, NIA squad? So uh, this is a brief intro because we recorded this episode last Thursday on September 30th, and the opening segment is about Aussie media, which is this wild, you know, funding scam media story that we get into. Uh, but the TLDR of it is that shortly after we recorded it, the company actually folded it, shut down. So we kind of alluded to that during the recording. Uh, don't worry, there's lots of jokes and uh, some killer content you should still listen to. Uh, more importantly, we make fun of this headset that Bilal made me buy. Um, I'm, if you're listening, I'm currently wearing like a NASA headset because my audio has been so shit the last couple of weeks that Bilal's been chewing me out. So anyways, jokes. Uh, again, the whole point of this intro is that uh, Aussie media shut down um, last week, shortly after we recorded this. So we want to make sure it's a little bit up to date. Uh, one thing I will add is uh, for the listeners, again, I'm about to show a tweet. Uh, it's uh, I DM'd the founder and CEO of Aussie Media. His name is Carlos Watson. He's this very charismatic uh, founder type, which um, you know had his own show called The Carlos Watson Show. So I actually hit him on the DMs and asked him, to come on a fictitious show, but one that might happen, especially with the fans we got. It's called the Trump Fan Show. I'm doing that in air quotes. Um, so Carlos had held him out as uh, he had these fake ads that uh, he misattributed to the LA Times saying that he was Oprah meets Anderson Cooper. So I sent him a DM, hit him with a bit of his own sauce. I told him that Maxim Magazine called me Oprah meets Anderson Cooper meets Jet Li and uh, that the Trunk Fan Show got three Michelin stars. But anyways, he's probably really busy right now with, you know, winding down the company, uh, you know, Hearts out to any of the journalists that had nothing to do with this fraud. Uh, you guys will hear more about that. Anyways, thank you, NIA crew. And uh, if I hear back from Carlos, we'll record that. Peace out. Welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys here today. We've got Jack Butcher, founder of Visualized Value, and Mr. Trung Fan with his new oh headset. We're going to talk about it in a second. <laughs> before we roast you on the new headset. Just, uh, uh, but let's let's really just let people know what we're talking about today. We're talking about the OZ uh, fiasco that's been going down. Some hilarious stuff in there, but some real stuff to talk about. Chris Dixon, people losing their shit around his uh, latest Web3 stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the unrealized cap gains, which has been talked about a lot recently as well. And then TikTok has announced NFTs, and we might get onto some Robinhood stuff as well. So let's just get straight into it. Trung, how's the headset feeling, mate? All right, dude. So you guys are gonna laugh so hard. So I used to have this thing, right? And like this, man, you guys seen this? It's useless because like the USB plug was really like loose. So if I tapped it, it'd fall out. So I was like, you guys didn't realize this, but often I'd be sitting in my chair like super stiff and like not <laughs> wanting to move, right? So so last week, Bilal's like. Uh, hey man, you should get like a new mic. Like I did an Air, uh, AirPod last week with uh, Patrick Stanley, uh, CityCoin a gentleman. That was an awesome episode, by the way. You should definitely check that out. But Bilal was like, hey man, you should get a new headphone. <laughs> and uh, Bilal, tell him what the I pitch. should tell me. Tell me what you told me to get though. Where you found it? Well, no, the pitch was that Chamath. Uh, on the All In Pod, used this one for ages. So the one, if you're not, if you're only listening. You can click on to the YouTube to see Trung. He's got a new headset on, looking like a straight gamer, gaming yeah. streamer. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and well, no, the, yeah, the other thing is because obviously all of us, we like move around quite a lot when we're speaking. So now you don't even have to worry about that. It just sticks on your face. 
So uh, it takes a little practice just to stay on it like this. So uh, no, no, um, I'll tell you what's amazing though. It's like it, it literally is like there's no pressure, right? I did, I can move my hands around and I'm trying to find this comment because you guys will laugh. When I when I interviewed Stanley Jackie Miller in May, my mic wasn't plugged in. It was all for show. <laughs> but bro, but someone in the YouTube comments wrote, "Yo, this guy's mic isn't plugged in. It's all for they always, show." They always yeah. figure it out. Yeah. No, so, you tried that last episode no, too. I was like, yeah. "Yo, is your mic on?" And you're like, "No, no, no. It's just all for show. It's no, not working." No, I saw. I'm trying. I'm legit trying to find this comment because it's just so funny. But dude, this is amazing, man. So just to reiterate. Blouse said to buy this is 30 bucks. And he said that the all in producer on the all in podcast feed or the Twitter feed was like, yeah, this is like the headset we use is 30 bucks and it's the best we've ever had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I mean, it was like a public tweet. So I just, uh, Save that for the pitch. I knew you'd need a little convincing. Oh my god, so. man, bro! Well, dude, <laughs> Thanks this for is doing amazing. that, mate. Other than I think the fact the that listeners like are going to love it, tool. But uh, next well, time you're on you. CNBC, you have to wear that. <laughs> <laughs> with that, uh, with some... the uh, with all in sw- with the uh, NIA swag. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We need some NIA headphones. Like you just get a good. You could get some good merch going on the side <laughs> of those. Some little stickers right. on there. I got one last thought about these headphones. You guys are going to laugh. So in university, I was a bit of a bully and uh, <laughs> just going after people, right? Just in good, good, you know, lighthearted humor. And I used to see dudes in the library wearing these things. And like, I'd go up to the window, like knock on the window and be like, hey, Houston, man, what are you, Houston command? And then now I look like the guy. So you guys to make You got to lean in, bro. Yeah. We respect it. All right. So boys, let's get straight on with it. Because um, if you're also... You, by the time people listening to this, you'll know we're now doing a weekly live NIA after party too. We're going to be trying that out for a few weeks at least. Uh, Thursdays, 5 p.m. EST. Just follow us on Twitter. And uh, that's 10 p.m. London time, uh, 2 p.m. West Coast time. So we're going to be hanging out. If you've listened to the episode early in the day, you can come hang out with us, ask questions, chat, hang out with everyone. So uh, we're going to do that straight after this recording. So we're on a tight um, time today. So Ozzy, what the hell is going on, man? Because I just read this New York Times piece and um let's paint a picture of what the hell happened because yeah. there's so OZ many hilarious media. parts but also kind of concerning as well all right so there are just so many pieces to this puzzle but i'm gonna go super top <laughs> yeah. level so here is the imdb log line you know you go to imdb and here's the plot of the movie so there's a digital media company called aussie media and you might have seen it because they advertise aggressively and if you have seen it, they literally pull like full page ads out of the times. They put uh, the bus ads everywhere, out, you know, out of home ads. They're basically just spamming the world with this supposed media property called Aussie Media. Uh, they have journalists and uh, they have a team. But TLDR is this media company has been lying about its numbers for years about the amount of followers and uh and uh, users and viewers and newsletter subscribers it has, for example. It says it has 25 million newsletter subscribers. Which so the hustle, the hustle yeah. has 1.7 million newsletter subscribers. So this is, quote, unquote, 10 times bigger or 15 times bigger than the hustle, right? And I've literally never consumed a single piece of Aussie media content. But a, a, a report came out on Monday written by Ben Smith, uh, New York Times uh, a journalist reporter. He used to be the head of uh, editor for uh, BuzzFeed. But basically, a wild story happened where YouTube 
Um, no, so Aussie Media was raising $40 million from Goldman Sachs. This is probably two years ago. And as part of this pitch to raise this money, they did a con- conference call with, and, and for anybody listening, I'm about to do quotation marks. <laughs> they did a conference call with quote unquote YouTube. So they brought YouTube on, or they said they did, to verify all the crazy numbers that they're getting as part of the digital media empire. As it turns out, the guy that was the YouTube representative, quote unquote, I'm doing the, I'm doing the fingers in the air, <laughs> it ended up being the company's, uh, ended up being Aussie Media COO pretending to be the YouTube guy. And he even used like a voice modulator app. Incredible. And the Goldman Sachs. Oh my. Yeah, dude. So, but <laughs> you didn't know that part. So the Goldman Sachs people, they passed on it. And afterwards, like, man, that was like a weird call. Like, did, was his voice weird? Like they're talking between each other. And so they, they Goldman contacted YouTube, uh, the individual that they thought they're on a call with. And they're like, hey, man, uh, really weird. We were just on a call with Ozzy. He's like, Ozzy? I was never on a call with those guys. Who's Ozzy? <laughs> yeah, who's Ozzy? So, uh, so the FBI is investigating it. And this mm. article hits on Monday. And people have been suspicious about Aussie media's engagement for years. Like if you're on the internet right now and you're listening, literally Google Aussie media, go to the Instagram, go to the Twitter. So there are 40,000 Twitter followers, 600,000 Instagram followers. And like, well, I'll ask Jack. Jack's got a big following on Instagram. So Jack, they have 600,000 followers on Instagram. An average post for them gets 20 likes and zero comments. Like, is that suspicious? Yeah, I mean, it's all paid for, like it's blank, but. Activity, yeah, for sure. Totally, right? So um, people have been suspicious, but here's the thing that's it, it gets crazier, man. There's so many layers here. So now I'm really gonna get into the insanity. Um, the CEO of the company, Carlos Watson, he had initially pitched Aussie Media as this millennial focus. Like all you guys have seen this pitch a million times, right? Except that he became the face of the company, but he's like late 40s, early 50s, right? So he basically raised 80 million dollars, including from uh, Steve Jobs' uh, uh, widow, uh, Lorreen Powell Jobs, who's a huge supporter of media. So he raised a ton of money from her, $80 million total. And just for reference, NIA has raised $0. And we got way more engagement than these people. $0, eight years less, and we have more engagement. And uh, so this guy, Carlos Watson, but to Jack's point, I think you can just see, you go to their YouTube, hundreds and hundreds of videos most of them have less than 10 views. It's just so, something so weird about it, right? And you, and the, the other crazy thing about it is like that it got to that point in the process. Like how do you end up getting that meeting without someone at Goldman Sachs going on YouTube and being like, these guys are full of shit. Like nobody's watching this stuff. Nobody's commenting on this stuff. Nobody is consuming it. Um, well, and dude, I don't mean to bring the freaking... <laughs> Go, bring I was just gonna say, don't mean to bring the don't mean to bring the blockchain into everything here, but you're <laughs> at a Bitcoin certain point, these platforms would just yeah. be like, check the chain. You want like <laughs> and this whole model of fundraising based on theater is gonna be evaporating. Yo, yeah. I love how Jack's like, hey, sorry, <laughs> bring it back. Check the chain. Check the chain. Oh boy, Bilal. So wait, Bilal, you work. Google, YouTube. Tell me about the fake stuff you've seen that's gone around. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I obviously can't say names because they. This is probably not public who it was, but I remember 2010. So this was things popping off, and a very prominent uh, music. It's not one of the labels, but just a music uh, 
YouTube platform that's become a huge success. I remember speaking to one of the account managers or like the partner managers and like they just got wiped off the map. And I was like, what happened? I actually used to listen to their stuff. And yeah, this sort of gaming, I remember like hearing how the gaming worked and they would pay bots. I mean, nowadays you can just buy ads, which is a legitimate way to promote your stuff. Like I've done that and you can promote it in the feed and you can get people to like, you know, target properly. Um, but back then there wasn't even proper YouTube ads like this. So I'm pretty sure they would have had like, if you've watched Silicon Valley, like the, uh, the, <laughs> the little farm in another country and they're just like, using vpns and doing all this crazy stuff or obviously bots as well so i i know like even that one i have in mind which i'm not gonna say a name of just because i actually do like the brand um they were like kids right and they probably made a mistake and then they learned from it and now they've built like an actual uh real thing um so th but later down the line there was all this new measurement stuff that came about i forgot the exact names i think it's like active view uh like above the fold views stuff like that so when you're buying ads as an advertiser you're not serving ads on like fake bot traffic essentially um so yeah there there is you know, more um advanced stuff to actually verify your numbers nowadays but from what i could read ozzy was saying you're just looking at our youtube traffic which is a tiny piece of everything we also have podcasts events you know email newsletters etc but i just feel like if you're a, a publisher that size like you just need to be transparent. Like, this, it's not hard to prove that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, I mean, that's uh, the other part that people are saying. is like, they're claiming all these numbers, but, like, to have zero cultural cachet. Like, I'm not yeah. saying, like, everyone has to know you, right? Like, apparently, one of the largest publishers in America is the, the AARP. That's, like, the senior citizen uh, organization. I've never read that. But, I mean, I'm assuming some people have a, you know, different class of citizen. But, man, Aussie media was, like, directly in our supposed to be our niche right like the sliver of society that we are involved in and just nothing and yeah. uh, what was that what was that other massive media uh the shorts the video short thing that was another massive uh balls up on it what was that oh the one oh, that oh, raised a bunch of money yeah oh, billion. Oh, like they raised a, a billion or some, something oh, else oh, like uh, quibby 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 yeah quibby quibby i mean they yeah they uh I guess their failure wasn't fraud. It was just like a really dumb product launch or like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say like this, they didn't No, I think the main criticism on Quibi was like, they didn't validate anything. Right. It's like, they're just like, Hey, we're just going to put 2 billion out there. And because we have Jeffrey Katzenberg who was big in the nineties with Disney, he's going to know what culture is. Like I would, I get the pitch, right? Like you, I see how you can go and get money for that. But yeah, that's a, certainly a different failure, but still very, very comparable in the sense of like, how big of a disaster it was. Uh, how long was Aussie around before it's having this? Dude, this call? eight years. Oh my so, God. Or six, seven years at this point. It's just total, total smoke and beer. Well, here, I'm going to, let me pull up some quick, uh, let me do and a screen share. While you're, yeah, uh, yeah, go on, do the screen share if that works. While you're pulling that up, the one that put, that stood out for me was the Amazon. You might be pulling up a thread with all the claims. Yeah, yeah, uh, but exactly. Before bro. you show that, the one, like they were saying something like this dude, Carlos Watson, allegedly um was like they they created these billboards that said amazon's number one new talk show or something along those lines and like amazon wasn't doing anything with them they were just you know it's the way like our podcast technically goes on audible and amazon music or whatever and if we put up a billboard outside and we're like 
the best sponsored new chat by YouTube. show or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So they they there was a lot of dodgy stuff. So yeah, trunk, let's go through a few. Okay, of these so examples. I know that I know that me looking at things on screen and explaining them isn't always the most popular audio content, but please bear with me. There's some gold here. So my friend uh Johan Moreno crushed it with this thread. He went through some old uh uh, Aussie related uh, promotion similar to what Bilal just said with uh, the YouTube but this one killed me so <laughs> so here's Aussie magazine on the cover is Carlos Watson the CEO and face of the company and then uh, uh, the, under his name it says in quotes the best interviewer on TV and then it says here deadline they're quoting deadline which is a huge entertainment publication but here's where it's hilarious the person who had said that quote in deadline was Aussie COO. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they oh, we quote, need to use this playbook, bro, son. Hold on, yeah. bro. They you quoted. Too. So, in a dead, to summarize, Deadline's interviewing the CEO of Aussie. And the CEO says, yeah, he's the best interviewer in TV. So, Deadline publishes that article. And then Aussie takes that quote from its own CEO and attributes it to Deadline. I feel like oh, we could use some of this. We could use some of this. Trunk has got a special quote for Jack. Oh, uh, on the yeah. Not Investment Advice podcast. <laughs> no, but <laughs> on on just a separate, it's, it's on in YouTube. the Telegram group. Yeah. Yeah, no, but here's what's, here's what's funny is like, at least Deadline had published it, right? And this is what's going to kill you guys. Here's another one that uh, Johan pulled. And so it says here, it's a picture of Carlos Watson and the big ad for the Carlos Watson show. It has this YouTube logo like Bilal alluded to. And it just says, the most important show of 2020. And the quote is being attributed to the LA Times. The LA Times never had never said this. Like they reached out to the LA Times, the editor, the editor's like, yeah, I like checked their entire archive. Not a single mention of this show and these words. They run a, it says they ran a uh paid, like a sponsored part. Was it like they had an ad that said that and therefore it was being used in LA Times? Something like oh, that. Dude, unreal. Well, here it is. I think this is what you're talking about. <laughs> the fastest this is growing talk show in youtube history but anyways man there's a lot of these and uh they, they had a couple other crazy claims the only one the last one i'll touch on is uh which is not a claim but around its name so ozzy refers to ozzy mandius the poem and the poem is basically about you know there's like these a, a, a statue or the head of a statue of a king that used to exist and the whole point of the poem is that you know empires will the, the fate of all empires just ultimately fall, right? And then, so they asked them, they're like, hey, why did you name Ozzy Media after Ozzy Mandius? This is like a not, you know, are you familiar with how that poem plays out? And then I think the answer was something along the lines of like, yeah, we picked Ozzy because it means like you always have to think big. And everybody's just like, man, I think you're completely missing the point of that story. <laughs> Love it, man. All right, so this is still unfolding though, right? Because this is still kind of ongoing story. Oh yeah, so let me put the, the pin in it. Uh, a couple of huge things have happened. Much more will happen. Um, one of their lead uh, investors, I think it's SV Angels, they, this is unprecedented, almost unprecedented in the investment industry. They said, we no longer want our shares in the company. They're just like, you can do whatever you want with them. We don't want them anymore. So that's crazy, right? Think about it. A venture fund is just like, we don't want them anymore. Just take us off the cap table. You do whatever you want that's with wild. them. That's wow. Like crazy, right? That's such a big rebuke. Um, that's one thing. One of their top personalities, Caddy K, she had left a decade at BBC. You guys might even know her, Caddy K. Maybe by oh, maybe if I see the face. So she left BBC to go to Aussie. She resigned. Uh, the 
Aussie, uh, the board, which knew about this whole fuckery with YouTube, started an internal investigation, but they already knew about it. They're only doing it now that's because- a, That's the crazy thing to me is like when, look, people mess up. We've talked about it before, like the fine line between uh, Firefest, a WeWork, and you know, like, you know, faking it till you make it basically. But this is just straight up, like when the CEO does this on a call, like, first of all, clearly, again, allegedly, and my opinion, <laughs> But the, clearly, the, the, the people modulator. who are on the call, like, yeah, how do you do That's incredible. Like, if you is he on like a different in a different room, or is like there are other no, people no, in the was, room it, with him? He's like, on the modulator, <laughs> they're all on it together. <laughs> well, dude, this is to your uh, uh, the part I forgot to mention is they blamed it on mental health issues, which is so effed. That, that's like that's messed up, too. Yeah, like you're like. First of all, you're making light of real mental health issues, right? Exactly. Use and, it because uh, you just know people are going to be like, "Oh, it's okay. You've got some yeah. issues." But it's like, no, man. Like, dude was just on a fucking iPhone, <laughs> t- turning on a Simpsons voice. Or something. Uh, some dude uh, in one of the uh, tweet comments uh, because uh, Carlos Watson wrote like r- tweeted something, but it just demonstrated how little pull he had. He tweeted something basically saying that it the NYT article was a hit job and like posted an email he sent his company it got like a hundred likes but then all the comments were just like you know it's funny how you call it a mental health issue because this mental health issue perfectly manifested itself as securities fraud and, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then oh actually if you I'll, we should add it to the links just for people to look because they'll laugh but like if you go to that tweet and read the comments you can see a bunch of sock puppet accounts Accounts with like two, three followers supporting Carlos. Like, oh my God, Carlos, your show is so good. Like, hate, like, don't Digging listen to the deeper. haters. Yeah. Just, just doubling down. Another <laughs> fun. Yeah. Um, Man, that's crazy. Okay, wait, what was I going to say? Though? I know we should probably move on, but uh, I, Bilal mentioned Fire Festival. And listen, we're probably going to talk about this again, but like, so they have something called the Aussie Fest. Mm. And apparently it was headed towards fire festival like two years ago they were already uh they were stealing photo images of a a huge outdoor festival uh that uh built the clinton foundation had run and they got called out on it so they were claiming they're getting a hundred thousand people out to this massive field in new york and like all the advertising had these big photos and then the clinton foundation is like wait that that's our photo and they got called out on it and apparently no one none of the guests they had were lined up all everything Apparently it was a total fire festival in the making, but because it was so hot in the summer of 2019, the Blasio pulled the, pulled the festival and, and said, you can't run it. And instead of them getting busted for the next fire festival, they got paid out insurance money, dude. How crazy is this? You can't make this shit up, man. Yeah, that's nuts. Anyways, I'll, that's it, man. I'll just say, like, I don't normally like to shit on like founders, but this is just straight up. Like, you know, they've, they were just straight up lying, it looks like, you know, for ages. And they're just covering each other up. The board must have known this shit too. So, yeah, man, I hope they get whatever uh, the judge throws at them, essentially. All right, boys. So we also had um, Chris Dixon, one of our favorites. He's been talking, he's been posting some fire threads recently. Um, and one of them recently we shared in the Telegram group was about, I think, the importance of Web3. He's obviously been writing about decentralization for years. And uh, he's been involved with this space for ages. Um, but you guys had mentioned just before we jumped on here that people were kind of losing their shit. And there was, um, was it like an ex-Microsoft guy, like quote tweeted him and like started off a whole beef basically. Does anyone, did anyone follow this? So, you know, he's been writing maybe for the last 
two months or so, we've been sharing threads in the community, retweeting back them, back whatever. Bangers. Else. Yeah, just good, like good, um, like starter level knowledge on Web three and the transition from Web two to Web three. And this was like just another one of those. I think with like more comprehensively linking together all the ideas that he's been talking about. The thread's called "Why Web Three Matters." Mm. And he's got it pinned on his profile right now. So clearly he wasn't that worried about it. But uh, there's one tweet in the thread where he talks about, let me scroll down and find it. It's something about tokens make it possible to own a piece of the internet. Yeah, tokens give users property rights, the ability to own a piece of the internet. And that just got like, people just lost their mind over that idea of, I think, property rights and ownership and the uh the contradiction that exists in like oh the internet is supposed to be a free technology or you know it's information is supposed to be free and now you know silicon valley bros are going to come and try and monetize literally every waking minute of every day and i think there's you know as a gut reaction i understand that idea but there's also it comes from a perspective of not understanding where all the value creation is currently accruing, right? The, the platforms that are already monetizing attention and everything at scale. This is a shift in direction in, in terms of rewarding participants and creators in different ways. So yeah, just my, I just saw my feed sort of blowing up with that. And then there was one really, the guy, I, I forget the guy's name, but the technical assistant to the C, the Microsoft <laughs> advisor, CEO, yeah. Right? yeah, technical and, advisor to the CEO of Microsoft, yeah, and and I think he specifically just quoted "own a piece of the internet" like laughing emojis or something, and uh, that set people off. Everyone, yes, yeah, you know the like cast of characters that piled in on that. I think Naval replied to it, Balaji replied to it. Um, there was one interesting response from Naval. I want, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, but essentially who somebody criticized it and said if you cover your ears maybe the future like maybe the maybe the future will ignore you or some some uh quip about like this is happening regardless of how you feel about it um so yeah i've seen a few of those like very intense twitter mobs spawning up around this idea of tokenization owning a piece of the internet we shared something in telegram two days ago or yesterday around the uh, profile picture verification and the same thing happened, right? There's people responding to that with like, this is the worst thing that Twitter has ever done. Uh, you know, this is, again, your response to it is indicative of your stance on NFTs. And we all know that NFTs have their fair share of like criticism and opposition over the last few months. And I think a lot of people thought they went away you know, because the beat like the real big headlines, like the Beeple, the sixty-nine million dollar sales, and that um, individual sales record hasn't been toppled. But the weird thing is, this beast has kind of been growing in like outside of the focus of mainstream media. And now that all these like switches going off, like Twitter's verifying NFT profiles, uh, TikTok is doing an NFT collection with. Little Nas X and I think a couple other top creators that's, on there. That's crazy. Yeah, that's just mental. Huge. And they have what a billion monthly active users on TikTok. It's like that's hard to even fathom the uh, impact that that will make. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we'll we'll probably come back to this a bunch of times in in the up and coming episodes. But there, 
I mean, I haven't experienced in my lifetime a outside of politics, you know, like it reminds me of almost the divisiveness that occurred in politics. What was that? 2016, where it's like, you're either on this side or that side. And this, this side is evil or that side is evil. And there's like that argument now applies to technical, like which on which side you sit of a technical issue or which, which side you sit of a technology that is like growing at a rapid rate. And there's a lot of artists for example that like i will never ever sell an nft or i'm uh, game developers that will never work with a company that are um that are using nft technology and you can imagine that this same i this same like like visceral opposition happened when the internet came about right like there's some notion that this technology is not going to be good in the long run and uh, a lot of people don't agree with how it's being used so remains to be seen Jack, I pulled up what Naval said. He said, cover your ears and maybe the future will go away, which is quite hilarious. Perfect, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I just wanted to add, yeah, but from my point of view, like Chris Dixon is not some random dude on the internet, right? Like this guy's been very right about a lot of things. It, he's been through the waves. So is Naval, so is Balaji. And to be fair, there's people on the other side who are, you know, great technologists in their own right, and they maybe aren't as hot in this area, which is fine. But it just seems like such a, like you said, it's like this political beef of, oh, like, look at these idiots doing this thing, and we're just going to, like, make fun of them every time they do something in this world. But I don't remember it being, and you know, we were kids when the internet was really coming about early on, like the first wave, early 2000s. Uh, you know, I know the internet came way before that, but just the actual like, popularization of it. Um, I don't know. Was it this bad? I feel like this is just more divisive than than anything. No, I think uh, I, I don't think it was more. I think it's more visibility, right? We're seeing yeah, everything. Yeah, we're all seeing it, exactly. And yeah, listen, the internet started when Bilal Zaidi had his first eBay. That's true. Okay? Bling, 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 <laughs> 786. No, hold on. There are so many things uh, now that my internet's working again uh, that I want to tease out. Uh, about. Uh, so a couple of things about the technical advisor to Satya Nadella. Some other comments that were, you guys probably also saw were amazing, right? Some dudes like, okay, uh, you know, Microsoft misses mobile, like misses the internet, like misses search, and then like just get trolled. Well, they're like, this is a technical advisor to like Microsoft, which is just fucking missed everything, right? Um, but ha- having said that, Nadella's a total beast, right? He turned the entire yeah, yeah. around the cloud. He's killing it. But uh, yes, yeah, a couple other really good ones was <laughs> was Balaji. He goes, uh, he added uh, Satya. It's like, yo, come get your mans <laughs> after oh. the dude. Was- Serious. Yeah. I didn't say like, that. He was getting beat so down by the comments like Satya, come get your man, dude. And, That's amazing. Uh, the other one was uh, also from Naval. Naval said something to the effect of, oh, isn't it convenient that like a tech monopolist, Microsoft, has nothing better to do than go on the internet and like troll the upcoming technology, right? Which is a good point. It's like even if uh even if you are this guy and you don't believe in web three and NFTs, I think it's just a bad look for Microsoft, right? Because you should be supporting or you should be represented in a way where like, okay, there's upcoming technologies. That's cool. We're, we're going to be agnostic about it, especially because they own the second largest cloud platform, right? And Balaji even wrote it. It's like when uh, Ethereum started, like Microsoft Azure was very supportive or like understood the project and was like, you know, giving us technical advice. And then now the TA to uh, Nadella is just freaking trying to quote dunk tweet people on Twitter. It's so weird. 
yeah, it's, it just seems super weird. I don't, I, and I just find like, yeah, I mean, is he is he legit like a technical advisor to to the CEO? Yeah, that's what it says in his Twitter bio, dude. I if it's in his bio, yeah. If it's in his bio, it must be real. So, come on, mate, the Dwight Schrute joke, you know, the assistant <laughs> to the regional manager. <laughs> Daggers flying, man. Daggers flying. So come, come it seems it. It's, it seems weird to like. T- yeah, I don't know what drives that response of like I'm going to take a massive public stance against a technology that is clearly growing at a ridiculous pace even though my reputation depends on me forecasting technology maybe it's like a calculated bet that you can look back on and be like look I said this but it feels to me like you're vastly outnumbered by practitioners in the space that are betting on it hard so it seems like a like a very like the risk calculation seems a yeah. little off in my mind it's like the paul krugman the internet's going to be no bigger than the fax machine or whatever <laughs> yeah. he said which he's constantly getting murdered in every single thing he tweets now you get that pull quote when you said that so it's like you're putting your entire career on the line by making a prediction of that scale in front yeah. of hundreds of thousands of people it just seems like an odd thing to do honestly Actually, yeah, Balaji had an amazing tweet too. Like, I'll probably worth like uh, flagging this as like the nail in the coffin. He just wrote, "Web three founders won't be Web two founders, right?" It's just like mm. a completely different mindset to be successful in the crypto world, and I think it's true. It's like uh, it's like that quote from you know the famous quote is like, "Yeah, you 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 forget or remember whatever you're paid to forget or remember, right?" Like uh, to that effect is like. Uh, uh, I, I totally destroyed it. Upton Sinclair, but it's like uh, uh, a man will know what, you know, it's worthwhile for him financially to know. And this guy works for Microsoft, right? And a decentralized economy is not necessarily the best thing for Microsoft. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to get a man to understand something which his salary depends on yeah, him not understanding. Not understand, exactly. Yeah. So I butchered it so badly that Jack <laughs> had to come in for the save. But Jack knew what I was saying. No, it's, it's perfect. It's good. Good, uh, good layering, my friend. Um, so, Jack, you, on this topic, you talked a little bit in our Telegram chat and our group chat about pyramid meme. I don't know what you what you meant yeah, by yeah. this, but it sounded like you had a philosophical philosophical thought to share with us. Yeah, so we could wax what was on it. About? So, so this is like if you scroll through those quote tweets or replies, it's like Web three is just another brand of grift from crypto and tech bros essentially it's like greater fool hey we're going to pump that price of these assets to the sky and then whoever is left holding the bag unlucky right and there are by you know every measure projects that have done that and there's it's like saying you know assuming that like crypto is going to be immune from people doing dumb shit is just idiotic right it's like people do dumb stuff when every currency and every language and every like with every tool like we talked about this before we started recording there's like 12 people running scams on instagram under my name right now <laughs> yeah trying to Which get we people definitely to, need to go into yeah, in a minute too. trying to get people to wire money to do forex trading your money ain't coming back to you right so give me your bank account details that yeah, one, that exactly, one. Exactly. <laughs> that's a so, that's a reference to a uk show if anyone yeah. got that yeah and i think the uh i think the 
the fair criticism in some cases like yeah well people can do this anonymously you can set up wallets from anywhere and the friction is is lower so the frequency of like mad stuff happening is high but there's also public record of all this stuff right it's all right. on chain it's not people like driving to car parks with bags of cash and you know things of that nature so <laughs> that argument is is uh very nuanced and deep but pyramid scheme comes up a lot like the idea that every single one of these things has been engineered as a scam and like nobody is doing this in a nobody is approaching this in a genuine way or trying to create value over the long term so i think that's just disingenuous right there's yeah. platforms there's like amazing tools being developed there's like way less friction in money moving in places that it needs to go like we talked about philanthropy people are building bank accounts for people that don't have access to or at least a, a way to store value for people that don't have access to bank accounts so i think blanket saying crypto is a scam is you can't take anyone seriously who's saying that because they haven't actually done enough research to understand that there are things that it accomplishes that the existing infrastructure does not accomplish so i don't think that's a fair critique my tweet about pyramid scheme versus pyramid meme is the idea Phenomenal, of by the way that's i've got it out right now it's not a pyramid scheme it's a pyramid meme really that's <laughs> gonna yo that's gonna be a hat right we got it man yeah. yo oh for real though oh my yeah. god we got so much sweat coming <laughs> we got we got some stuff cooking so yeah the idea of I think I posted this in the Telegram as well. I think the guy's name is Sir Shukin. Crypto bought a 2000 Ethereum CryptoPunk a few weeks ago and has been talking about the thesis on NFTs specifically and the idea of unlocking frozen assets. I think I sent that to you guys. Um, Great thread. So yeah, Airbnb unlocked a frozen asset in spare rooms in people's houses. Uber unlocked a spare asset in spare time where people could go and you know, use their car to ferry people about. And NFTs unlock this like cultural capital that has traditionally been gatekept and blah, 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 blah. Um, trying to imagine where I was going with that. Right. So the pyramid meme is like crypto and specifically NFTs is the infrastructure to basically uh, capture value from these things that duplicate online. So like if you can imagine a future where if you create, and this is already true, if you created the Nyan cat or you're the kid that did the, like the gum, they had the dentist numbing agent and did that dumb video and a billion people watched it. You can actually, uh, you can actually make money off that IP that you created through like tokenization or auction or whatever medium you want to do it. And, um, the meme is actually the thing that keeps that idea going. So it's, I think it was Cameron Winklevost uh, tweeted a few months ago, all money is a meme. And we're, you know, essentially as a collective, we have agreed to this story about USD, for example, or in 300 years ago, we agreed that this size rock is tradable for that size rock. And we're going to use that as like a medium of exchange. And the rock is back. <laughs> the rock is back man a couple episodes ago yeah shut up tom osmond Ozzy Oz. <laughs> clip art rocks now yeah but the idea that um we could talk about this for a long time but you're we're in a point in history where so many people have kind of ascended the maslow's hierarchy past like food shelter warmth 
friends and family and now it's like okay now we're just finding a way to entertain ourselves <laughs> it's just vibes at the top man yeah that's vibes the, at that's the top the toads form. yeah and and i think that is honestly what people are responding to as well and well it's like that classic um that classic critique of like why spend your money on this when there is this cause or this thing that needs attention or this thing that isn't fixed and we talked about philanthropy and all of those things and that's like a ethical discussion that is much bigger than being solved in a Twitter thread. And we've talked about this before. It's like, like there is still personal agency involved in these decisions, right? People will spend money how they want to spend it. And being like owning a part of a meme or being part of a meme is just as much of a like financial decision now as like choosing to drive a certain brand of car or living in a certain neighborhood or going to send your kids to a certain school. And that's like, a very hard thing to accept for a lot of people who aren't heads down in open sea and discord and Twitter for, you know, six hours a day. Yeah. It's a, it's such a, I was talking to my friend a few nights ago about this, who's like generally a pretty optimistic and open-minded person. And, um, he was asking about NFTs cause he heard it on the podcast and he, he listened to the Tom Osman one. And even for someone like him, he works like this guy works at Google. He's been there for a little while. So he's not like completely not tech savvy or like, you know, grandparent, but he's not obviously following it like like we might be or you, you especially, Jack. Um, and I was just, you know, I've talked to you guys about this before. I like I don't try to convince anyone anymore. I'm just like, like, these are the facts. This is what I'm seeing. I don't know the future, but this is what's interesting to me. And um, since I bought this crypto a few uh, weeks ago, like it's the first time I actually like really invested, you know, it's, it's a significant amount of money for, for anyone. Um, and for me, it's just been like such a, it sounds kind of sad, but like an amazing learning experience, like just going into these communities. Yeah, like, I've been figure- talking about this, dude. Even if you lose your shirt, you're going to learn yeah. so much. Yeah. And it's so, and like what you described there, like, yeah, the community part, but like even just like the tactical things of like I now know I can't put the price up on OpenSea. I can only put it down and I have to like cancel it and relist it and pay gas. Like I would never know that unless I had put money on the line. And the other thing I was thinking a lot about was, you know, stripping down as we've talked about Neil a lot. Like why do people buy these things? Why do they invest in stuff? Why do they invest in memes versus, you know, companies uh, that have real cash flow, etc. That's an alternative. And it's just like this, another uh, kind of uh, investing group that I'm in who are a little bit more traditional in their in their kind of approach. They just, like they were talking a few days ago about the Tesla price, right? And and a lot of people in there like very rational and just like, I don't understand why it's so, you know, why the P ratio is X and all this stuff. And I, and I get it because that's how I'm trained too, to think. But like, if you don't get by this point, like things aren't rational. The market is not rational. And it's like, you kind of have to play. That's one of the criteria now. You know what I mean? And if you want to lean all the way in and buy and sell toads on the internet, that's like, you know, the speculation part on one end. And if you want to buy like dividend stocks and look at like, you know, cash flow or whatever, then great. That's good for you too. But this legitimately exists now. And there's there's people, you know, making like life-changing amounts of money doing both. So yeah, I, I just think it's really crazy that to uh, for anyone to be completely dismissing it like that. Well, another thing I've been thinking about too is like, what has driven the, what are the underlying, so we talk about the fundamentals of a meme for a minute. It's like, what are the 
what are the f- driving forces behind the valuation of a meme? And I think it's attention and like status signaling. Those are the two mm. things. And attention as an asset, you could argue, is one of the like fundamental driving forces behind some of the most valuable businesses in the world. Like an iPhone is the portal that you use to consume like stuff that isn't real by all of these arguments in the quote tweets of Chris Dixon's mm. thread, right? Everything you look at on your iPhone isn't real. You know, let's extend the logic that people are talking about. Yeah, that's a good, good way to put but, it. But the thing that someone built to make it possible for you to look at stuff that's not real is one of, if not the most valuable business in the world, right, Tron? Yeah. Yeah. Same it's thing for like- the most valuable public company in the world. Yeah. The Facebook is another example. It's like attention is the asset that is being very cleverly built on top of in Facebook. So is it really that hard to imagine that same underlying asset being monetized in a different way than Facebook monetizes it? And that, that, that idea of like building a community like, and it sounds silly, like toads around pictures of little toads is like, essentially, if, if we if we have like, what's the, what's the, the, the thing that Chamath always talks about with Facebook is like, get somebody on the platform and get them to stay as long as they can on the platform, accept as many friend requests as they can scroll for as many miles as you can make them scroll. And the, the weird counter in web three space is like, you have to build positive communities in order to get people to stay there. Right. You have yeah. to build something that's like, Yes, financial reward is a big part of it. And a lot of the communities that are based solely on that will pump and drop. You know, something like the Cryptodes community is, I I would argue, hasn't been as focused on the financial side of it. There's all these like little nuance. I suggest you don't need to buy one, go into Discord and just watch how people talk in there. But at the same time, they're harnessing a certain amount of human attention and you're just making a bet on whether or not more people are going to want to join that environment or not. In the same way that Facebook, you're making a bet on how many more people, either how many more people are going to start using Facebook or how much longer is your ne- your mom, your nan, your granddad going to spend clicking around on Facebook. And they have to now adapt to all of the th- mechanisms that are keeping people on screen. So they're like talking about metaverse and doing like, we're going to do VR meetings and we're gonna, they're going to have to keep chasing the market. And Web3 is just basically a different ownership and incentive structure, but it still runs on that idea of like attention and status signaling. Why do you scroll through Facebook? Because you're nosy as hell. Why do you post pictures to Facebook? Because you're vain as hell. Yeah. That's the, that's the internet the deadly e- economy. Yeah. And, no, and that's still, I never thought about that. that. Those are in a similar way. That's still what's going on with the NFTs and these communities, right? It's like, it's just, instead of like posting your vacation in Venice, you're posting a crypto, right? It's the exact same thing. Like the the physiological like yeah, uh, yeah. pathways, the dopamine hits you're getting, they're the exact same, right? Yeah, I would argue even more because when you post your picture in Venice, you don't have a, like maybe a 20x financial upside from posting <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah. You've so- actually lost money. <laughs> and there's something about like being in it together, like, like uh, our boy... Uh, well, uh, someone who listens to the podcast added me into um, into a WhatsApp group 
of like these random toad guys. I've never met any of these people, right? Like, and they're just they're like all on the toad life, right? And they're just yeah, posting yeah. pictures. And the and like life. you shared you shared one with me, which was like, I just got my toad suited up, right? Because if you go on a Discord, <laughs> there was someone like creating little suits for the toads. I think that's what it was. And then there was another one who created like a sock project. Um, there's like all these. There's someone creating flies now. You know, and and it's just like there's an element of like this momentum and like ongoing meme, ongoing humor that just every day you see it. And I'm like, okay, there's in joke with a group of people. And uh, and obviously there's the financial upside, but it's also just the jokes. Like it's it's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, you can't really compare it to anything else. I was make one quick point, but I tweeted this the other day is like, I think people, especially with covid pandemic remote work uh i just sort of waking up to the this is a bit of a novelism like most work is a is a live action role play right you sort of go in you bash a few numbers in it's 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 the thing we (laughs) talked about with trung right look up the population of canada for me half of the working population is doing that and i don't mean to speak against the very small segment of people that are doing great things like doctors freaking people like working in public service and make the world run essentially i'm not saying work is useless i'm just yeah, saying insurance companies marketing agencies that are ten thousand people strong are uh, maybe not driving the human race forward in ways that we imagine <laughs> would happen so this is like uh it's almost like people are just like wow like my job isn't very serious like this is i'm not really adding value in these instances so you know, even stuff like Axie Infinity, you're seeing like new ways to monetize attention on a screen. I also tweeted a while ago, a, a remote job is a video game essentially, right? Yeah. If you're not interacting with people in person, you're just interfacing with the screen, hitting the right keys in the right order, like, you know, saying a script on a phone call. It's a video game. It's a really boring, terrible one, but it's a video game. And now people are just like, have agency to invent their own games, right? Design your own economic system, make your own game. If you do it well enough and you like invest in that, in the right game at the right time, you, uh, you know, you have a different outcome. So crazy times we're living in, but that was, uh, that was a good Jack, tangent. I, I think. think one of the things you said there kind of clicked for me was we're just monetizing attention in a completely different way, but that is always going to be there where it used to be TV and radio and print then it's become social media and the internet and the percentage of the upside goes to two companies pretty much three if you include apple and iphones and now you know the same attention is just being diverted elsewhere obviously with a tiny percent of the segment right of the population right now with toads and shit like that right but that's one example if i just translate it to me being in a whatsapp group and messaging people about this this funny thing on the internet is no different to the group chat I have with my friends about sending each other memes or watching a football game or, you know, scrolling on Facebook for my mum, you know? Um, and it, that's a beautifully, beautiful way to kind of strip it down. I was just going to end it on like every single one of those chapters that you brought up as well had the dystopian take, right? Where it's like radio is going to rot your kids' brains. TV is going to make everyone go nuts. And then, you know, social media and you know, fair criticism on every single one of those um, chapters, social media had the same thing, right? It's like everybody just doom scrolling all day and just posting about what they ate for dinner. And now it's just like a, in, in 
grained in the fabric of society and it's just another technical milestone that we hit so it, it i think it's just rare to experience one happen in real time like we're i mean maybe every generation has one or two but this is our this is our one it feels like yeah it, i was uh, texting you this morning about this that i was listening to packy's packy was on the podcast he runs not boring the newsletter and he wrote this amazing piece on the great online game i think it's called and uh, we referenced it in the conversation we had with him and it just was a lot of what we were just talking about was like in that in that same vein like yeah just describing like going to a job whether that's remote or in person you're pretty much yeah, you 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 know like this is a PlayStation and this is my work PlayStation, right? If you're watching on, I look ridiculous by the way. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me typing versus pressing square and circle on a PlayStation controller. Um, and the difference is, you know, I spend eight hours playing FIFA for free and wasting my time, whereas I get paid to type on a keyboard. And a lot of the time, you know, obviously there's productive work that happens, but like half of work we all know is showing what you're working on. Mm. you know reporting up like managing up all that sort of stuff we've all had to deal with in those in those positions and that is just another part of the game we don't like but we just kind of have to deal with and now if you see kind of what's being built that you know it's yet to be seen if this can be completely widespread but there are new ways of people being able to create their own games or whatever you want to call it yeah you know i'm i'm gonna uh i, I did a podcast interview yesterday and I haven't read the full, um, this guy's full writing on this topic. I think the Twitter handle is VGR, at VGR. And this guy has a bit on the idea of you either work above or below the API. Mm. And like this to me is like a really interesting layer to put on top of this stuff as people working on protocols and platforms and things. And then there are people that plug into those things. So below the API as you play in Axie Infinity, above the API as you design in the in-game mechanics of yeah, I love that. Axie Infinity. And then if you find the right, you know, find the right API at the right time, you're one of the first um, you know, to capture the upside of that thing. But it is a completely different mechanic, uh, but looks the same when you're looking at the UI, right? It's like all the incentive structures underneath this are different. But as a internet user doesn't is never logged on to OpenSea, I had the same reaction like eight months ago. I'd be like, what? Why would somebody yeah. pay for that? And you don't have the you haven't experienced the network effect on the other side of the purchase to get it. And yeah, I can empathize with the fact that it makes no sense looking at it from the outside. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, the uh, I think we you did a great job of explaining it. I think in the one the cryptodes. Um, episode we did and then before that the decentralized disney one where we talked about board ape right that that to me was like going beyond just like flipping a rock right like and and even honestly the the tom osmond one like hearing him talk about discord versus slack the community using using uh this stuff um and even like his one thing that i don't think we really like hammered home in that interview it's only something I clocked after, which was the bonding curve. He said, uh, Ozzy, uh, Tom was basically saying, like the reason he knew that was going to be a big one or he thought it was going to be a big one was because uh, it was the first one to use the bonding curve or something like that. So again, I know we're kind of going off topic here, but there's just so much, there's so many more layers to all of this stuff. 
and yeah, 100%, a huge part of it is people trying to flip stuff, make money. I'm not against that. Like we live in an open society to be able to do that if it's responsible. And then there's all this other stuff, right? Like entertainment, you know, um, the things that are going to be built on top of this, the future internet potentially. And uh, yeah, it kind of wraps up all the things we were talking about. I know that uh, Bilal, it sounds like you went on the extended uh, explanation of how Jack broke your brain by saying that attention was a similar substrate for everything. Uh, I actually want to touch a couple of things that Jack opined on. And actually, Bilal, you touched on it too. It's like, you just mentioned, it's like, listen, a lot of shady stuff is happening in this world, right? And I also had this exact, very similar conversation this week with a buddy. And he was just like, hey, aren't NFTs like, it's just good for money laundering and like, you know, you can kind of shift money around. I'm like, I think Jack nailed it, right? It starts like, listen, all these activities, yes, they can happen, right? They are occurring. It's just, it's just literally no different. There could be a higher velocity, but then that's counteracted by the fact that everything is on train and checked. Uh, but as a couple of examples I brought up with my buddy is like, I mean, you think some dude's flipping like a million dollars money laundering NFT, cool, whatever, right? He's like, Look what's going on right now today in the stock market with uh, sitting Fed chairs, which were day trading while they were printing trillions of dollars to support literally equities and fixed oh income they own, right? And <laughs> I'm like, bro, like you're worried about a million dollar NFT flip when the entire like structure of the economy is like built on nothing and all these assets that are owned by the very people that control the levers with which they are valued. I mean, this it's is not crazy. like, this is like, there's such a asymmetry that people are concerned about. Right. And this always happens with new things that come out. And I get that because there's uncertainty, but like right in front of our eyes, there is fuckery about that is just unspeakable <laughs> right if you add trunk listen, could you explain that really quickly for people who aren't following yeah, that so I, world? Uh, again alleged but like i'm just going to talk the facts here robert kaplan is one of the 13 fed chairs for the united states i think it's 13 whatever he's uh, one of the one of the dozen or so most important financiers in the u.s government right he's probably two or three under uh, uh, jerome powell but in 2020 like his records, which are all publicly available, he was actively trading in assets, which the US government was backstopping, right? And whether or not, listen, a lot of these assets that he owned were going to go up anyways, but the optics are awful, right? Like they just are just so bad. Like uh, even Jerome Powell, he owned some municipal bonds that the US government ended up buying, but these were all supposed to be quote unquote blind trusts. But still, the, uh, let's say that it's completely above board and it just looks bad. It just looks so bad on such an awful level, right? And then yeah, you the add, optics are already terrible. It's just so bad. It's and because, incentives. I mean, we talked terrible. about it, right? What is ultimately everything is a meme, right? So the faith in that meme, the collective faith in that meme is what matters. So even if everything that Robert Kaplan did and Jerome Powell did was like quote unquote above board, it looks terrible. So you're, and then I'll, I'm talking to my friend, I'm like, you're worried about there's a million dollar NFT flip. These guys are really tri- printing trillions of dollars. Like it's just a drop in the bucket. Right. And um, I brought up a couple other examples. Just, I, I went on a bit of a rant. I'm like, man, like there's the amount of skullduggery going on, like in front of our eyes. In skullduggery yeah. is brilliant. And, like, I'll, I'll give you one, like here, this is one that I'm going to have to tease this out because it's pretty crazy, but I'll take Alibaba. Right, Alibaba uh, went public in either 2014, 2015. Now I'm f- 
I'm almost 99% convinced that the public listing of Alibaba in the New York Stock Exchange at the time, which is the largest listing ever, was just employed to get money out of China for the Chinese Communist Party. And I'm going to explain to you why this happened and how it looks like. So China has capital controls. If you are a millionaire or billionaire China, you can't just take $100 million out of the country, right? It's because China has full control over the economic and monetary system. They don't want that kind of disruption. But there are many ways to get money out of China. Uh, a very popular way is called uh, it's over invoicing. So if you're a billionaire industrialist and you want to get $100 million out of China, this is what you do. You pretend for your factory that you're importing $100 million worth of goods. So you're paying an outside party for that. But the reality is that those goods are only worth, say, $20 million. So really, you're sending $80 million outside of the country, right? So it's called like basically over invoicing. So there's methods to get money out of China. This is how Alibaba works. This is how you get money out of China, like with the help of Goldman Sachs and the, the global financial system. The weekly uh, not legal advice uh, yeah. part of the show from exactly. Trunk. <laughs> so now I'm about to rant. So the economic vehicle used to get money out of China. It's like, you understand the, the structure of Alibaba in America. So when you're invested in Alibaba, you weren't investing in the company. You're investing in something called like a, uh, you're investing in something called the VIE, a variable interest entity. And basically that entity had the rights to profits from Alibaba. And it's a contractual obligation. But at the end of the day, you don't own anything that actually exists in China, right? You own rights to this little entity. And the owners of that entity are spread all over the world. There's some in the Caribbean, all the, all the good money laundering spots. But basically, the way this happens is this. If you are a Chinese millionaire, a centi millionaire or a billionaire, and you want money out of China, you own Alibaba stock, right? So now Goldman Sachs is publicly listing Alibaba in the United States. So what happens now? Your stock can be collateral for loans. So mm. you have a billion dollars in Alibaba stock. Guess what you do? You go to Goldman and be like, I want a $500 million loan. Here, just take this stock. And that's exactly yeah, that's what happened. That's generally what... In general, I mean, there's it's obviously legal if you just have right. collateral and you can, anyone can do this that's at a certain level. That's how rich people do it, right? So they that's don't how get rich do it. So they don't The whole point is this, is like the Chinese Communist Party are very wealthy Chinese people. Like this is one mechanism for them to get money out of China is mm. to own money in a publicly listed massive Chinese company. But the reality is like, as you saw in the past six months, we're all seeing the value of these companies is based on what Xi Jinping thinks it's worth. He just mm. took away... Uh, Ant Financial's license to operate like certain financing businesses, right? And investment businesses cut its valuation by 90%. Like six months ago, people were talking about Ant Financial as a $300 billion company. Now it's worth $20 billion. Like, how does that yeah. make any sense? Well, yeah, what is man. that, right? So man. this all goes back to Trunkstana, one final point. <laughs> Trunkstana. If you're going to talk <laughs> about NFT, like money laundering, like bro, it's just a, it's a, it's the least consequential thing going on in the world right now. You know what I mean? That's yeah, my incredible. entire point. No, I mean, Trung, it kind of wraps up a lot. This whole episode is all about fuckery going on. And <laughs> from OZ to uh, we talked about Chris Dixon, people fucking around with that. Uh, we didn't even get onto Robin Hood properly. Uh, but just to wrap a, a bow in this, let's talk quickly about this unrealized capital gains because I think it's on a similar theme. Um, and I know this isn't like past, this isn't, uh, this is just being the chatter recently because there was a, a bill proposed, I guess. I, I didn't read the full full thing, but what was what was going on with this and why were people so upset about it? 
It's a taxing unrealized capital gains is just the classic lever, a political football that is because you know how there's this debt ceiling crisis and the whole, I'll give a TLDR on it, but like basically the U S government has to continue to raise how much debt it's allowed to have at any one time. And every year they have this crisis and really this crisis, all it is is like jockeying for different clauses and bills. Right. It always ends up getting passed. Um, if it doesn't, by the way, by the time this comes out in the whole world economy, it implodes. Like we can have a good laugh about that. But, uh, <laughs> but the whole point is like, uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago with infrastructure bill, right? It's like, they, there's all these mass trillion dollar spending plans. And the whole point is that you have to find ways to pay for them. And like unrealized uh, capital gains is like, it's like the, it's like the pie in the sky. They're like, there's all this money that's out there that hasn't been realized. And like, I get a lot of it, right? Like some people would have bought some stocks or Microsoft when it's worth hundred million dollars or a billion dollars. And now it's gone up whatever two, 300 times or a thousand times. Right. A lot of those gains are unrealized. Uh, so people are like, Hey, look, there's a pot of money that we could possibly get. It really is a wealth tax, right? Cause that's who you're going after. Um, so a couple of the ways they structure it is like, you have to be X amount of wealth to get taxed. But then now these are like where the complications come in. It's like, when do you, market to market, right? Like, is it one time a year or like what date does this happen at where you uh, start taxing people's unrealized gains? What's the cutoff level? Cause you don't want to damage like regular Americans. Uh, what happens if they lose money, right? Are you going to cut these billionaires yeah, a fat tax return? Yeah. So what they framed it as a deduction, like that's how the bill language is. It's like, if you lose money investing, you can get a deduction, but then now the optics are bad because you're giving a billionaire a tax break, right? So like, there's all these parts of it that don't make a lot of sense. And, and then they're adding like, if somebody passes away to get taxed at that point before it gets sent over to the kids. But it's just a money grab that almost, I, I don't think it'll ever happen because of how difficult it is to implement. But it's all- I think the optics of it as well, like just, and the summary, just from someone who didn't follow it properly, I think the Twitter version was probably inaccurate because a lot of people were tweeting unrealized capital gains, like me and you who have- you know, 10 grand in Google stock is going to be, uh, we're going to be, you know, have to pay tax on that. I, there was obviously a clearly a threshold of wealth or amount that this would even kick in. Um, but I, I think the summary for me is like the tax code here is so complicated, especially coming from another country. I'm sure Trung, you know, you've lived here as well in the States. Of, I don't know what it's like compared to Canada, but compared to the UK, like most people in the UK, from what I know, don't do a tax return. They just they just get pay as you earn is called. You get your 50 grand a year and every month it goes out. And then so, if you sell some stock or you've got a house like for rent, you might have to do a tax return. But it's just pretty straightforward, right? Here, you go to your accountant and they ask you a thousand questions. Did you buy clothes for your work? Did you go to the, did you go on any trips? Well, like, we know Bilal a got a suit for his Google interview. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too bad that wasn't deductible too long time. I was not in America for that, but yeah. So um, yeah, it's just obviously like the way I see it is look, the richest people, I, I'm not against the philosophical thing of, you know, if there's someone who is, let's say, a legitimate billionaire and um, they're just basically being able to abuse the tax system. Yeah, of course, like clamp down on it, make it transparent, make it clearer. But the truth is all these people pay the best people in the world to yeah. get to minimize the tax. So if the rule is you need to be above 100 million in net worth to uh, qualify for this, um, then you're going to make someone 
million dollars yeah. or whatever, right? Like they're yeah. going to find ways around it. So it's it's just a really complicated problem to solve. Um, but yeah, Jack, did you have anything else you thought about? Yeah, I was just going to say like, that's the other interesting thing about the world of crypto just like exploding underneath all of this stuff. It kind of gets people questioning the logic that underlies the entire system, right? Like you, you have to imagine that seeing like people buying jpegs for two million dollars on twitter is gonna raise eyebrows to the point where people are like what the hell is going on even if you you know the more absurd you think that is hopefully the more that would lead you down the path of like obviously my understanding of money is different than i understood it to be and it's just like it breaks the simulation in a lot of different ways and then you think about tax codes and they're all just like human designed approximations right they're like i think before particularly before i i owned a business i didn't think about a lot of money stuff just did not have any like conception of okay this is my paycheck this is what i get after tax great that's how much i have to spend right when you run a business and you start getting, you know, income in different intervals at different, you know, in different amounts every month, you need bookkeepers, you need to figure out what, how to classify your corporation, how to pay yourself, how to do all this stuff. You're like, oh shit, there's all these systems that I need to abide by in order to, you know, not get probed at the end of the year, essentially. And people with resources, to your point, Bilal, can just be like, I mean, it's hard to even fathom how people with like insane resources uh, manipulate the tax code because there's a lot of money to be made by people who can, you know, I don't know, Bezos or whoever else is like, he's not going on TurboTax. Well, <laughs> he's, he's definitely not. <laughs> you might buy TurboTax to do yeah. it. Um, I might, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to close that last point with like, Basically, everything is like made up. And the further ahead you are in life, the more you can take advantage of the yeah. fact that everything is made up. And mostly by people who don't have the resources to defend themselves in the same way you do. So it's I, not to say it's a lost cause, like, you, you know, like have no government and no rules. I don't believe that. I just think like these things are, to Trunk's point, political footballs just get people mad and they don't even know what they're upset about. Well, I think this is uh because we gotta hop into spaces right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we do. Can yeah. Carry All right, this so let's over. just let's do this quickly. Uh, uh I think this is a good way to wrap is uh I think Jack's brought up was check the chain. Just check the chain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, th you don't think <laughs> when the, when this is all on the chain that you're gonna be able to figure it out? All right, man. Let's uh let's all hop right, yeah. this. Last thing I was gonna say is uh we'll we'll have to this will be a TBD for the next one, but I was telling you I met my four hundred dollar fiat friend who we is one of my best friends who is just like putting everything into this world and we call him four hundred dollar crypto because that's all he's got. four hundred dollar fiat because he keeps he keeps it in the bank account and that's all he's got. Um but we were talking last night about um for a government if you've got a huge deficit which we obviously do have there's an inflationary way out of this and a deflationary way way out of it. And this could be a whole episode and I don't even fully understand it. Maybe we'll get him on. Um, but just to explain that whole world, like the way we're doing it right now is we're printing lots of money and the, the most people who don't own assets, aka majority of the country and poorer people 
are the ones getting hit and they don't even know that's that's happening and uh i think yeah that's a whole different topic for another day but i think that's a good way to wrap it up man um all right let's jump on these spaces no Not investment advice. <laughs> if you did get a toad, which apparently in our Telegram group we had a lot of people doing, a lot it. of toads, man, a lot um, of toads. Yeah, comment in the section below and uh, make sure you're subscribed on all the podcast apps. And we will see you in Twitter Spaces right now. Right, see you next week, boys. <laughs>